I don't know what's making me more depressed. The fact that the NFL season is over or that it's snowing again in the Northeast. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of winter. I'm sick of Groundhog Day. I mean, I should just move back to Florida. That's just the bottom line. Welcome, everyone, to the Bad Signal Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Fallon. As always, what an eventful and uneventful Super Bowl Sunday. I feel like everyone is just completely bipolarly split between the excitement of the game, uh, whether or not they were rooting for the Chiefs to have a comeback. I know that everyone was just kind of waiting with bated breath for the Chiefs offense to blow up. But uh, Tom Brady walks away with ring number seven on the field, cementing himself as the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into all that in this show. First of all, I want to bring you a phenomenal interview that I did on Friday before Super Bowl, but just because of the timing and how we, uh, you know, we just had a lot of content late in the week and I wanted to get that gambling show out there. Rob Nikovich, two-time Super Bowl MVP. I had to press him on the hard questions, on Brady's competitiveness, on what really happened in the Super Bowl against Atlanta on that field, what sparked the 28-3 comeback, and just his general thoughts on the Patriot way. Uh, Danny Amendola, of course, coming out earlier in the week saying the Patriot way was all Tom Brady and it wasn't Bill discrediting the entire Patriots franchise and just saying that Tom is the system and it's not anything else. The coaches don't do anything. I, it's really been the hot topic of conversation. Personally, I think it was wildly disrespectful and discrediting Bill for everything that he's done in his career. But I, but really want to hear it from the player, the guy that was there. So without further ado, Rob Ninkovich, explain what the Patriot way is for us. So the Patriot way, and look, Mike Vrabel said it best about the Patriot way. He was like, isn't that the address? You know, like, it's one Patriot way. Like, there's not really, like, Bill's never said this is the Patriot way. There's never been a sign on the wall that says the Patriot way. It's The Patriot way was a fabricated thing by the media to be like, oh, it's the Patriot way, to... Uh, take less money on a contract or to uh, do whatever it takes to help the team. Like that's, that's hyped up by the media. So yeah. in, in my eyes, a Patriot football player has a certain makeup that you have to have within you to stay on the team, to be a Patriot. You have to number one, be selfless. Like you can't be selfish. You can't think like to yourself, hey, I need to go out here and pass rush every play and get a sack to get 12 sacks so I can get paid, but let the ball run underneath me for 20-yard gains, you know, like that that ain't going to happen. Bill's going to rip you off the field. Or if you're in your contract negotiation and you had Tom Brady, a Hall of Fame quarterback, making less, not even top five money, he's making less than the majority of quarterbacks, well, then – you know, they point to that and be like, look, we can't pay you top dollar because this guy's not making top dollar. It trickles down. And, and then you get free agents that are older and they want to go play for the Patriots because they want to yeah. win. Yeah. So that brings up to so many conversations, just even from that last two sentences that you spoke, uh, whether or not Patriots players outside of the organization, I, I'm rereading. Brady and Belichick from Michael Holly, And it's the most exciting thing. Book, I, it's a page turner for me 
because each chapter goes through each year of the dynasty. And it's crazy rereading the years on 2000, 2001. And the, the level of disrespect that Bill had for lawyer Malloy to be overpaid. You got to remember these guys during that organization, I, lawyer and Thai law. I mean, they were outlaws partying in Providence and, uh, you know, they were overpaid and underplaying and Brady and Belichick rang them together. Well, there came a point where they got too old and they didn't want to play. And, and it, specifically Michael Hawley was saying, this was the first time that Bill finally, he was too nice in Cleveland. He was too nice. He got too emotional, attached to the players. And that was the first time that he said, fuck it. I, you know, I'm done. I'm going to make a decision. And it soiled and ended the way that it did. And look how it ended up. I mean, they won another Super Bowl that year. They went to the Super Bowl in 07. So, I, you know, this is just a part of the way that Bill does business. And obviously it, run, it rubs people the wrong way. But it's a, it begs the question. And I, I don't think that you can disagree with this sentiment. I'm not saying anything about the Matt Stafford deal because, I, I mean, he didn't want to come here. Who the hell wants to come well, to it? I, I heard his poor family of four kids, but – like they, the players, they used to come here because they wanted to play with Tom Brady. What, what is appealing about new England right now with, uh, you know, no, no wide receivers, no weapons, uh, undersized linebackers. They're slow. They're old. What, what is it about new England that is going to make people come here? It's definitely not bill. And I think it's hurting them. Well, the game has changed so much. The game has changed dramatically in the last 10 years everyone's trying to just get paid as much as you can. And you're trying to, to win now and you're trying to win instantly because careers aren't as long except for Tom Brady, but Tom is in that older mentality of back in the day, like there was no head trauma. There was like, Hey, if you got, you got your bell wrong. It was like a rite of passage. Like, don't be a, don't be a, you know what, get your ass out there. You know, you'd see guys get rung up and you're like, yep, this guy yeah. ain't got it. You know, and he, yeah. it's just the toughness and things in the NFL has changed. And it's like the younger generation coming in, coming in. They want to get paid. They want to be paid highly. And they don't want to play that long. Guys don't want to play 10 years. Like guys are like, all right, I want to play like six years. I want to make a ton of money and I want to retire and I want to win, and I want to get a Super Bowl. Well, that ain't going to happen. It's really hard to do that. Um, so I, I think you're just seeing a, a different NFL. Guys, and I, I know I sound like the old guy now, but just athletes in general, younger athletes right now are more interested in marketing their brand, which is themselves, than going out there. And like you see it all the time. You'll see a, a first-round pick has a marketing team for his social media accounts with deals in place before they ever do anything on a field. Yeah. Yeah. And I was always from a generation or just a, a, a time in football where you went out there on the field and you produced with that production. Be, then you had some ability to market yourself and you had the ability, but, but you had to win and you had to be a champion. Like look at Julian Edelman, for example, like yeah. Julian's career took off after like year six. 
When and he teamed up with when he teamed up with my childhood friend, the soft Swissa. Don't credit that enough, you know. Wouldn't have, Julian wouldn't have had a he wouldn't have been able to sell one hat at a pop-up oh, shop. Oh, I know, I know. After he broke his foot and basically nobody they you know he signed a league minimum deal after his sixth year, and then after that, like his boom, he, he had a great season, you know, go to the playoffs, have some huge games. At, in 2014 when the Super Bowl, then it just takes off. But going back to kind of like guys wanting to go somewhere, they want to go somewhere the easiest route. They want to go to the best place to where they don't have to yeah. be the guy that's in focus. Because any quarterback that comes to New England, we saw it with Cam Newton this year. It's tough. They're going to beat you up. Like they're going to beat you up. Like the media is going to kill you. You're the guy after the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. So the guy after the greatest quarterback of all time through throws what eight touchdown passes in a yep. season, like, and Tom Brady throws thirty plus, Boy. like, well, yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like that's tough to come to New England, and the level of expectation is already set so high. And then you said it like the receiving core is an issue. You know, there's definitely things that need to be addressed addressed in the off season, but I think Stafford had Matty P as a head coach. Uh, yeah. And, and I think they he, did not get along. They did and, not get along. And, and I think that that him going back to New England probably was like, I, I kind of already experienced that like yeah. tough coaching aspect of like, this is how it's done and this is the way we're going to do it. And that I'm sure that that was a, a big part in it. And look, New England, if you're not from – a cold climate or you're not from the Midwest or you're not from a Northern place. If you're from California and your whole career, you go to Detroit and you're like, Oh, I hate yeah. it. You don't yeah. want to go somewhere where it's the same climate. Like he has an opportunity to go to LA, which granted he's going to pay 60% tax on his money he's making. Um, but tell me that I want to go back. I want to move back. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. Only gonna get worse. Everyone from Cali yeah. is going to Texas and Montana. Oh, I know, I know. Austin and Dallas. Moving to Florida and Palm Beach and yeah. on your taxes. Oh, speaking of money, Tom Brady, there was an assumption, and not only by local media, national media, <clears throat> Max Kellerman, <laughs> the cliff hypotherum, if you would say. Tom Brady is going to hit the cliff. Tom Brady is, you know, is, is old and this, and we saw it, uh, whether or not it was a reaction or a result of the dink and dunk offense that just really wasn't working of, uh, no weapons and Brady's frustration piling up and him leaving. And really, I mean, he left because of money, exactly as you're saying, like, yeah. It was like there was a tremendous amount of disrespect from the Patriots organization to say, I, I want to spend my the rest of my career here and guarantee my money until I'm 45. And they said, absolutely not. And Bill Bill disagreed. And you know, I you know, I I can I can sense that player um frustration. And I and I can understand why you know former players, current players would you know, make blanket statements against Bill, uh, you know, I'm feeling out of disrespect for that. But I mean, look, Brady, I, Brady, I, was there the question is, 
Would you say it's a poor assessment to assume that Brady was falling off the cliff at 43 years old and look at him now? So the one thing about money and contracts, I'll answer that question after I talk about the contract thing. Like the game is a risk and reward game. So in this high risk, high reward type of environment, if you aren't, feeling that you're compensated compared to the guys that you feel you're better than then there's there then there's definitely a an issue and also you're playing football to where every time you step on that field you either can get knocked out or when you're 40 you're going to be like running around a mall naked like you don't like you're going to have issues right so yeah you have to make as much money as you can while you have the opportunity to make that money. And I mean, a perfect example is myself. And, and I'll say that my last year playing, I was, you know, the last year I had under contract, I didn't play it. I retired, but I was on the books for like one five. And is me, is me going out there and, you know, making a bunch of plays and hitting my head a thousand times and um, being a great, you know, leader and all those things. But is that sacrifice worth the 800 grand I would get after taxes to go out there and smash my head into somebody? Like it's all a high risk, high reward thing. So you're a starter and you look around the league and you see what starters are making. I mean, a DN pass rusher, they're making like 20 million a year. Yeah. So, you know, you look at, guys in your position, in your meeting, in the room with you, you know, your backups making double what you're going to make. So it's like, does this make sense? And that happens when you start to become an age where they feel that is the biggest hurdle for them to ever go over. Like you're 32, bang, we can't pay you any more than this because you're 32. You're 40. That's it. Like, we can't do it because we can't guarantee you're going to be healthy enough to play at 43 or 44. And unfortunately, unfortunately for the guys that make those decisions, they look at past players or they'll look at like coaching over the 30 year span. And they see guys that are 32 or 33 and they get hurt. Well, you know, there's 25, 26 year olds that get hurt and there's guys that get hurt all the time. So it's not necessarily that person isn't going to make it past the contract at 43, like Tom, like if he was going to play, I think Tom isn't falling off a cliff. I don't think he will fall off a cliff because there's certain things that, that affect you to where they're not going to affect Tom's performance. And unlike Peyton Manning, who had a neck and a nerve issue Mm -hmm. that degenerated his nerves and he couldn't really throw the ball anymore. Like, yeah, that is a problem. Tom doesn't have those issues. That's those are two different people. Mm-hmm. And Tom takes care of himself. We know how crazy he is about it. Only thing that could affect Tom is an injury, just like anybody. You know, if Tom at 43, dropping back to pass, you get hit a certain way, you could hurt yourself and you could be hurt. I mean, that's just anybody on the field that, yeah. that could possibly be hurt. That's just a risk you have to take. So yeah. I don't see he's not slowing down. Last year with the Patriots, I felt that maybe we saw a little bit of some problems that were beyond his control. Guys, weapons, so to speak, offensive line play, being hit too many times, 
Um, the way you practice, uh, I guarantee down in Tampa, Bruce is like, hey, man, take Wednesday, Thursday off. Come back Friday. Go through the motions. I, you'll be, I know you'll be good on Sunday. There's different coaching styles. You know, Bill yeah. would be like, look, if you don't practice Wednesday, you're not playing. So oh, yeah. it there's way different ways. You know, I talk to veterans on different teams that are like, man, over 30, if you're over 30, the over 30 club doesn't practice Wednesdays. I get I understand the reasoning behind that philosophy. Look, you practice, you get you're out there having your reps, and then you go out there and you perform. I get it. Yeah. But at a certain point, you know, when you're trying to take care of your body and you're trying to make yourself 100% before a game, you don't want to go into a game at 80%, which sometimes you have to do that. If you're nicked up and you're dinged up on a Sunday, then you go out and you run on Monday, you have your Tuesday off, you go practice Wednesday, you're just limping around. You're like, man, I'm 31. I'm hurting right now. Yeah. But you still got to do all the reps. Yeah. So, you know, I think Tom has definitely gone above and beyond what anyone expected him to do. But look, Tampa's roster, they're stacked. Out of control. I mean, and, and that's, and that's and if, one you to, if you were to take Tampa's roster and Kansas, I'll even say this. If you were to take Kansas City's roster and Tampa's roster, yeah. if you get a good old-fashioned backyard football game and you said, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him. Hands down, there's definitely a few guys, Kansas City, Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes, running back, can't remember his name, the rookie. Like there's like four Clyde, or five. Everett's a lair. Yeah, a lair. Like there's five guys that you're like hands down. But if you look at Tampa, you're like, okay, who am I gonna go with? Jay, I'll go with JPP. I'll go with Sue. I'll go with White interior inside linebacker. I'll go with uh Godwin at the receiver. I'll go with Evans. I'll go with Gronk. I'll go Tristan, with Tristan Wirth. They're their rookie offensive tackle, one of the best offensive tackles in the league. Yeah, uh, so, you know, uh Ali Marvin it well. They're, they're stacked offensively. They're stacked yeah. defensively. Uh, it's so funny that you brought up this kind of like backyard football. Hey, I'm going to pick you for dodgeball. I'm going to pick you, you, you. I, I feel like the football gods are giving us a matchup of a lifetime. Now, whether or not, I'm not saying that they can't meet each other again in the Super Bowl next year. But if you had a chance to 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 pick one quality from Brady, one quality from Mahomes, and put them together. Because you got to remember, like, Brady early in his career, his pocket presence was king. And, you know, his deep ball was a problem. He was carried by the defense, so to speak. Yep. And Mahomes, on the other end, it's his pocket presence that's a problem. <laughs> He's scrambling out of the pocket, but, hell, he can throw a deep ball sideways, backwards, however hell you want. Uh, if you could build a perfect quarterback, who would you slice from? I mean, I, I would probably have to go with Tom's in between the years experience, the things that he has experienced on the field, the knowledge that he has, understanding. Look, there's not a defense that he hasn't seen. There's not a blitz that he hasn't seen. So him to be out there putting the team in the perfect play, and that's what you want. You want your quarterback to the the best quarterbacks or the greatest quarterbacks they make yeah. your team better by audibles or putting the offense in the best play against what they see mm -hmm. and 
Manning's Manning was the best that I've ever gone against at doing that. You know, when he was going through his verbiage and his Omaha and he'd say, check, check, check. And he'd go all this and he'd point things out and he'd see something. And you're as a defender, you're like, Oh crap. Like, what's he doing now? Like, what does he check into? What does he know that we don't know? Yeah. I, I would say that, you know, if you were to take Tom's experience and, and knowledge of the game in between the ears, but then you, you have Patrick's, just overall raw talent with with his arm strength and his arm talent. What about size? Just a general build. I mean, uh, from some a guy like Josh Allen now. I mean, is he kind of the perfect quarterback? Look, Tom Tom is built perfectly for for throwing the ball like a whip. You know, like yeah. a great like yeah. Randy Johnson, a great pitcher or yeah. a really high velocity. And me and Tom, we would do this, and Jimmy G, before practice, we would throw the ball back and forth, and we play a game like two points face, one point chest. And Tom would always, like, give me little tips and, like, how to throw the ball and how to have a nice tight spiral. And he'd show me his, like, grip on the ball and how you're supposed to have, a, like, a little bit of space here, and you're really supposed yeah. to use it with your fingertips. And he would always tell me that at the top of your throwing motion, you're supposed to look like a really high C. I can't do it with the moon. It's supposed to be, like – really high on top of the ball and like he would practice like getting on top of the ball all the time because that really like gives you that velocity yeah a guy like drew Brees can't do that like he can't throw the ball like that because yeah. he's big enough so tom is built like a like a string bean he's long and lanky but it helps him the way he throws it helps his, his ability and every guy is built a certain way and you're over the years of you being a football player you really you really explore what your god-given talents are kyler murray a little guy right shifty yeah. fast but he can still throw the ball but he's evaluated his talent and he's like okay this is what i'm great at this is what i'm gonna do josh allen i don't like when josh allen runs i know josh allen can run but when he runs i feel like he's awkward at like avoiding contact we saw him get yeah. knocked out against the patriots yeah. Like, even in the playoff game, he fell, like, awkwardly on his knee. Like, he's kind of awkward when he's trying to go into contact, doesn't know what to do. You know, Patrick Mahomes, like, he doesn't really necessarily run the greatest. Like, he kind of scoots along. You know, he's fast enough to get away from people. But he's so scary with his arm talent that he can avoid – like, he'll, he'll be doing the Michael Jordan fadeaway. He's just backpedaling, waiting for a guy to uncover, and then he can throw it kind of like Aaron Rodgers does. Like, he fades away and throws the ball. Yeah. Um, so like the perfect body, I really don't think there's a, a perfect body. I mean, you don't want to be under six foot, but those guys that are under six foot, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Kyler Murray, yeah, like they, exactly. They have a different style of the different, way like, they, it's, they it's, maneuver and play their games. I would say that if you put Tom's in between the ear, brain, smarts, all the experience, yeah. Mahomes, arm strength, and I mean, more if you if you took Tom Brady's like tall lankiness and Patrick Mahomes pretty stocky, you just put them together and just made one athlete like they. It's the perfect quarterback, baby. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Here is another quote, and perhaps that you forgot the attribute of competitiveness. Ooh, I want a story from you about how competitive Tom is, but I will preface this by saying. And I can't think of who it is off the top of my head because I don't know the roster. Defensive linebackers for the Bucs. But it was one of the defensive linebackers for the Bucs. And he was crying. 
at the NFC Championship. Oh, yeah, I heard this. He yeah. walked by him and he was like, what the fuck are you crying stop, about? Yeah, stop crying. Yeah. This, this job isn't done yet. What is the most intense, competitive Tom Brady story that you can tell me? And I will be eyes wide and open ears. Uh, I mean, I, you see the football side of Tom every day. You see it in practice. You see it in the games. Yeah. Early in my career, I was running down on kickoffs and stuff, and he would run up to like the group of guys before a big kickoff where he needed a great coverage. And he'd start yelling at us and like, you got to cover, blah, 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 blah. And I always think in my head, like, just shut up, Tom. Go, why, don't you, why don't you take your ass and hit the wedge? See what happens to you. You know, I would say like one of the scariest moments uh, for me would have to be on a plane ride back. I think it was from Miami. Um, we were on the plane and we were gambling and it was like me, the offensive lineman, um, I can't remember, maybe, maybe Chung was in there, maybe Gaskowski was playing and we were playing like a, I can't remember the, the, the name of the game, but it was like the pot itself. Like if you call and you don't, Win the pot, you got to match what's in the pot. So the pot grows like really fast. Yeah. And it can be. And so if it's like a fifteen hundred dollar pot, and you say pot, and you don't win the pot, then you got to match fifteen hundred. And then it's like, is, that, is this cash out of pocket? Do you guys bring that much money on the road with you? No, no. But it's like we we it's just written down. It's written okay. down. I would have I would have been worried if you had the Wells Fargo. It's written <laughs> down. It's written. It's bring, written down. On the road. But, at this particular moment, Tom had just gotten beat. Like Tom walked up to play, and I was like, "I don't want to play with Tom. Like I don't want to like the pots. Oh, the top. But what's the pot? Ten grand pot. Like what's it to him? You know. Like I'm the yeah. one saving every penny, like driving a Ford, and he's like driving an Aston Martin and like making yeah. forty million a year. A ten thousand dollar pot to him is nothing." nothing you know yeah. so every time he's up he's like pot pot no big deal pot you know so at the at this point the pot had built up with tom's money like tom called for the pot he didn't get the pot i think it was like 1500 bucks but he had the cash on him so he just put like 1500 down and i called the pot and i won his money so i won the money right yeah and then i was like i quit I don't want to play anymore. So I just took the money and he's like, you can't like, he was mad. He's like, you can't quit. He's like, get your ass back here. Let's play. Cause he wanted to win his money back. I'm like, no, I got 1500 bucks of Tom Brady's money. I'm going to go enjoy this. Like I'm putting this in my wallet. It's yours. Yeah. I You're want gonna sign that. You're going to sign wanna... that. I'm going to frame it. So I was like, I don't want to play anymore. And he was like, literally mad. Like he was, he was pissed that I quit after I won. Because he wanted me to just keep going. He was gonna win it back. Like yeah, they, they kept playing. I was like, you guys keep playing, have fun. I'm I'm gonna go put watch a movie. I'm gonna go relax. I won yeah. my money. I'm a I'm a I'm not a gambler at all. Like I hate gambling. Yeah, I yeah. I, I you know I, in 2007 when Miami was so bad, they were gambling in the locker room and guys would lose like thirty thousand before practice. Like Guys no. would be like, oh, okay, you got me, uh, you owe me 30. And I'd be sitting there like, 30 what? Like 30K? No Dudes were losing big, big money. And 
that's not great for like team chemistry. Like when you're when you're losing like game checks to other players, like that's not good. Wow, that's quite the stakes. I I, I can understand like you know dipping out on Tom Brady, but when you're losing that much money, like Joey Porter, I'll tell you a funny story. Joey Porter one time walked up to me. He's like, and he called me Kukoch because he couldn't say my last name. So he's like, Kukoch. Respectful. Yeah, right. He's like, Kukoch, uh, come here. I was like, what do you, what's that? And I was young at the time. He's like, can you catch this 20 bucks? When you, like, he had a $20 bill in his hand and he walked up to me. He's like, try and catch it. And I'm like, all right. And he like dropped it and I missed it. He picked it up. He's like, try it again. And I dropped it and he missed it. He's like, that's 40. You owe me 40. And I was like, what? I don't want, no, I'm not, I didn't say, yeah, like, I'm going to, this is like, like if I, girl, why, why are you trying to like, like, He's like hustling, he was like hustling money. people. No, I, you know, I, I don't like that. And I don't like the, the, the negative side of gambling. And, you know, I, I think it's literally becoming a part of everyday sports discussions is the gambling you're seeing now on the ESPN tickers and everywhere. They have the, you know, the gambling lines, Iowa yeah. plus five and a half. And I, it's not going away anytime soon, yeah. but it, I, I just think for players specifically, um, keep that competitiveness on the field. You know, I, I heard stories. I've, I've heard stories about Tom Brady playing a ping pong game and then throwing, throwing the mallet like across. And it yeah, we had a, so we had a ping pong table in the, oh, back. Oh, the Derby. Did you, were you ever a part of any of these epic? I, I never, I never derby tournaments no derby derby trips yeah by the time that was all going down i had like kids so like i I wasn't about to say hey i'm gonna break away for a fun weekend at the derby without like my wife saying no you're not so for me i just would always hear the stories you know great time those guys had a blast i wish i could go but it was just i'm not like i said i don't i don't like to i don't gamble i hate cards especially it seems like it's always it's it's a setup. It's a setup. Yeah. Four years to the day, twenty-eight to three. Twenty-eight to three. Yep. What do you remember about uh, the calmness, the stillness on the sidelines? What sparked that epic comeback? I mean, just I just describe the scene to me when you um, were, you saw that on the scoreboard. So. That's the biggest game everyone's watching, right? When you get down the way that we were down, it was embarrassing a little bit. Like, you're, like, embarrassed. You're like, man, people paid a lot of money for this game. They wanted to have a competitive game. You want to be out there. You want to be competitive because everyone's watching. And you, you don't want one of those Super Bowls, and we've all seen them, where you're like, oh, this is over. This, is, this ain't even yeah. – like – I might as well do something else. I might as well turn something else on. Like this is yeah. this is so boring. So we were just at halftime. I think that there was just a general overall embarrassed type just feeling of let's just go out here in the second half. There's no panic. I re- I remember looking at the scoreboard going into halftime. I'm like, man, that's embarrassing. That is terrible. Like, what is yeah. this? Is the Super Bowl and we're getting beat like this? So we were in the in the locker room at halftime. Everybody in general was like, yo, we just need to go out here for 30 minutes and let's just be respectable and gain some respect back from people. 
in your head, you're not thinking like, oh, we're going to win this thing. Like, we're going to go yeah. out here. Wow, wow, we're going to win this Was thing. Was there like a specific anxiety or a feeling that you carried with you? That like, How do you stay calm in a situation like that? I, that always blows my mind. The state of mind, not everyone's a monk. Not it's everyone's a stoic. How do you stay calm in the biggest game of your life with every inch on the line? The fourth down conversions in that game. I, I just, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you keep it together? I think uh, as an athlete, when you play football, it's pretty easy when you're on the field to really forget and not really focus on the magnitude of what's going on in every play, how big they are. You really look at that and you feel it almost after the game. Yeah. I remember in 2014 when we beat Seattle watching that game after the game was over. And I had more anxiety thinking about the plays watching it than I did actually yeah. playing it. Because when you're playing, you're just like, all right, it's third and one. What are they going to do here? It's got to be Marshawn. I got to go make a tackle. Boom, you make the TFL. And then they got to kick a field goal. You're like, okay, good. They kicked the field goal. Yeah. We, held them, we held them three. Or third and seven, the sack that I had, I was like, it's third and seven. We got to get the ball back. We got to get the ball back. Just kept thinking, we got to get the ball back. That's just like what you're – as a defender, you're just always beat over the head. Like, do your job, get the ball back for the offense. So third and seven, get a sack, they punt, we score, we're back in it. Like, that's all you think about is just doing what you're supposed to do on the field at that that particular moment. Yeah, just and autopilot. Just autopilot. And yeah. then the Falcons game, second half, we get out there. And, and honestly, in my head, we were getting the ball in the second half, receiving the ball. And I said to myself, I'm like, if we get the ball, we score, there's a chance. If we get the ball, we go three and out, man, this is gonna, this is gonna be bad. And we yeah. get the ball, we go three and out, we punt. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, this is really bad. And then slowly but surely, you felt the the Falcons kind of almost relax. Like you felt them go on cruise control. They're talking about the after party, they're talking about you know, being Super Bowl champs. Could you hear them on the sidelines? No, no, no. You could hear them. So PATs, after they score, the line comes out and they kick their field goal, right? After yeah. the, touchdown. the first touchdown, they're excited. They're happy to like you would normally be. The second touchdown, they're happy. The third touchdown, when it when it was like 28, they were like, man, this is merch. Like, this is awesome. Can you believe this? Um I can't like afterwards we're gonna get hammered. Like it's just like you're like no way. Game ain't over, man. The game's not that's that's when the game's that momentum, it was like in one way, it was all the way to them, right? And then all of a sudden it started to come back. And once it tilted and came back our way, they couldn't get themselves back in that mentality of we gotta go fight for this thing. We gotta go out here because they started so fast. Like their first drive, they were just running the ball, like be kicking our ass. Like they started so fast. After that halftime and third quarter and the, the fumble and the, like we started to roll, they couldn't get back into it mentally because they were so far gone with we've done it that they couldn't get back to it. They couldn't get back in the game. They were It was over. Then we score. We tie the game. We get the ball. And over time, we score game over. And they're like sitting there like, do we just lose this? Like, do we just lose this game? So that was pretty much it. Like when I think back at halftime, I think calm collected, embarrassed, let's go earn some respect back. And then we made history, which is – it was the last game I ever played, and that's pretty cool. It's it's a pretty cool feeling 
to know that the last game that I strapped it up, I walked away uh, a winner, which most don't. Yeah. Uh, my last question to you, and it, it's just goes on the heels of, we talked about Matthew Stafford and his choice to go to Los Angeles, whether or not, you know, I mean, New England and Matty P and all that stuff. Um, we're talking about Deshaun Watson and his complete and other disgust with the Houston Texans organization, their lack of communication, their lack of professionalism. I think everyone could say that for years to come. A character named Jack Easterby, who has somewhat in some way finagled his way from just an average chaplain to uh, using his words and persuading to move up in the ranks of the front office and all of a sudden has the ear of Cal McNair over anyone in the organization. Who is Jack Easterby? So, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with Jack. Jack was awesome to me and my family when I was playing for the Patriots. Um, Jack came in and, and really he was the, the guy that you went to if you had to talk about stuff and if you were dealing with anything and you wanted to just sit down and talk, Jack was the guy who was, um, you know, great for me as a football player. He always helped me out. And I know everyone that um, knows Jack, respects Jack as a person and the things that he represents. Um, of course, spirituality, religion. Yeah. I'm a very, re- I'm a religious woman. And, you know, I I, I find that the, the role, I'm not, I'm not discrediting the role of, Jack in an organization. And I, I know you're just giving, you know, the respect that he deserves on his name, but you know, I, I completely, I think it's unfair for people to, I think it's unfair for people to talk negatively about Jack unless they absolutely are hundred percent certain the circumstances of how he was placed in the position that he's in right now. Mm -hmm. He came into the organization to do similar things that he did in new England um, he was brought in by Billy O. Billy O is fired. But in the meantime, when he got to the organization and he was working in the organization, he probably built relationships with people just like he has in any other organization he was at. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Kansas City before he was with uh, the Patriots. And I'm sure him and the owner started to have a great relationship, started talking. The owner, after releasing Billy O, felt that. At this particular point, we don't have somebody that I feel I can trust to put in a position to oversee where I want this organization to be. So we put Jack in that position. Granted, Jack wasn't ever a scout or ever a GM or ever anything to do with football operations. Um, But sometimes you feel sometimes in, in people that are in a position of power feel that they need to put maybe not a person that's the best qualified, but the the person that they feel they can trust in a position like that to where they can trust he's going to come and give them all the information they need to go forward and finding the next head coach, the next GM, all those things. I think the mistake that they made, the owner made, I don't even think it was, it wasn't even, I don't even, I don't know the story. So I don't, I don't don't know, but I don't. Yeah. There are just the mistake they made was telling their star quarterback that he would have input in the people that they bring yeah. into the organization. Yeah. They went behind his back. Players are just players. At the end of the day, the owners don't care about the players. Mm-hmm. We're just numbers. 
the money that they pay, even the highest paid guy is chump change to the billionaires that they are. So, you know, we're like the little chess pieces. We're the numbers. We're the cattle. They have their, you know, they have their fun. They make their money no matter what they're going to make their money. And if they hurt someone's feelings along the way, they don't care. They're just they'll find another person. They'll find another kid to play football. They'll find yeah. something else. So, um, you know, I, I think that they made a mistake by by lying to the quarterback. The quarterback got upset. The quarterback felt that he should have been involved more in these decisions. Mm-hmm. Now he decides he doesn't want to play there. So yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll see what happens. I think that those. I, I think that this is going to get ugly. I really do. I think that. Oh, especially with especially with Nick at the helm. I, you I know, think going to say no. Nope, you saw, it's going to be a, a massive game of chicken down there, and not only they're going to be looking for the biggest sucker imaginable to give them three, four first round picks, they're looking for a haul. And Nick Casario, you know, was elevated to a position of general manager after years of being stuck in in you know as a director of player personnel, and he finally has that title. He knows what he's doing and he's a shrewd negotiator. And um, I-, I can just tell already from that first statement that he made after Deshaun Watson threw a fit and said, oh, I requested my trade and blah, blah, blah. And what are you talking about? We absolutely love Deshaun. He's a great part. You know, we look forward to him being in the future. Do you know how much that would have pissed him off? Like, I just would have, I want to like have a camera if you could be a fly on the wall when Deshaun Watson, who was actually in New York City hanging out with the reporter Michael Smith, um, you know, uh, of, from formerly of ESPN with Jamel Hill, like he was hanging out with him. I, he's got he's got his ear, and I just don't think if he's got his head to other people that are going to influence him, it's only going to get worse. I mean, it'll come down to: Are you willing to sit out? Who is the Who is the other Bill O'Brien that's going to give in to the organization and make up for all of the terrible trades that they've made over the years? I mean, I, I don't think that being the new GM and trading away your franchise quarterback is the best way to gain fans and gain yeah. you know the respect of the team. So I understand. I understand Nick's stance on this is my quarterback. This is the guy I want. You know, I would I would try to focus on the relationship. Hopefully they could try and fix it. If I was Nick or if I was advising Nick, I would have said to Nick, don't make it such a hard line that he's our guy. I would say at this time I'm working. We are working our very best to try and mend this relationship. And hopefully we can get this thing in a good place. To where we all feel comfortable. That's what he should have said. Yeah. Instead of saying he's not or he's not going to be traded. He's not, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's our quarterback. He's our guy. Because then that might even make a harder line. It's 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 two it's two big guys beating their chest in, you know, like, yeah. hey, I'm the bigger guy. No, I'm the bigger yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, well, so I mean, that, that's that's professional sports for you. That's so. the, that's that's it. And it's yeah. it's men especially. So, you know, throw on the boxing glove, see who wins. All right, Rob Ninkovich, two-time Super Bowl champion, going out on top. He's got the cleats and the confetti still stuck to the bottom of them. That is right behind him. If you can't already see, that's his helmet and the cleats. We've seen it before. Yeah, Rob. What are these ones? Let's see. 
These are LIs. So if you see that, that's oh, got. How, the, what, wow, are those five studs? No, these are the moldeds. So oh. this, so this is what I played in in a dome. This is, this is what you play. This, this is the one against the the Falcons and the comeback. So you can oh. see. What, I used to put a little mark on them, so every so I knew that these were the ones that I played in. Yeah. And then we played in Arizona for Seattle. So it was, the field was super slippery and they put uh, like paint all over the field to make it green because the yeah. grass is all dead. So like you see all the paint here. That's so we all mandated seven studs and I hate seven studs with a passion um, because I had a torn Achilles almost. So I had to put these lifters in my shoe or else I would have my Achilles. In that game, I, if, if as long as if I could have torn that thing and had a little thread left, I still would have played. Super Bowl, that's what it's all about, man. That, Rob, Rob Nikovich, I almost called you Rob Gronkowski. Rob Nikovich. Hey, we're, we're both white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye. See you later. Thank you. I love that. And by the way, Rob, he had a lot to say about Tom Brady and elevating himself to what would be his seventh ring. Has to cut some of that out because it wasn't time specific. Of course, <laughs> we can jump in the hot tub time machine possibly later this week to see what he had to say. But, but you're not a football fan until you get the full analysis or your opinions on what happened during Super Bowl 55. I asked my former podcast partner, best friend, co-host, Tanya Ray Fox. She is behind the scenes at Fox Sports 1. She is the producer for Colin Coward, First Things First, all that stuff. Um, she's fantastic. We used to do a podcast together, and uh, we just had to break down the game. Break down the game and Brady's legacy and so much more. So, so enjoy the second half of this pod with myself and Tanya Ray Fox. The good news is that we were able to watch the Super Bowl. I was in my apartment. I had some stuff to do for the game day, and I, I really a very unique experience. The first Super Bowl, I was absolutely completely sober, and uh, you know, like literally, like the next day, as I'm watching the shows and I'll listen to all sports radio, and they're running through specific plays of when Kansas City really fucked up you know like they had the momentum the fourth goal you know the goal line stand and then they pulled themselves out with that you know 15 16 yard play to tie and I'm like going through and I'm like oh yeah and then that happened next <laughs> and then that happened I'm like both guys jumped off sides on the neutral zone and fraction it was I'm sitting there I'm like wow I'm really really proud of your I'm really proud of you how was your Super Bowl experience I like did you eat a lot it was fucking snowing like 18 inches here so i couldn't even get we did it not in. have i know we didn't have snow but so i mean it's always better here with that but yeah same thing as you i had to work so it's like i had i'm not gonna lie i had a herd seltzer or two like you know i i kept it light but i also was so i i don't okay. want to start this podcast off the wrong energy but it wasn't the most thrilling game i've ever watched and i just like you am add so it was a lot of looking down at my phone on Twitter and experiencing the game through apps <laughs> yeah. rather than like, I mean, obviously I was watching, I had to watch the whole thing for work, but it's just like, uh, it wasn't my most thrilling day. We were very spoiled because we grew up Patriots fans. So like having an investment in the game is like always kind of built in, in so many years. And this obviously had the Brady element to it. So I was like, Oh great. Another one where I can really feel like there's some sort of like 
built-in storyline, but the storyline ended up shifting so much. And by the third quarter, it was pretty clear what the games, like you were saying, I think like a producer. So I'm like, okay, here, here's all the storylines that are coming out of this already. And the number one, number one storyline is what the fuck happened to Mahomes? What happened to Patrick Mahomes? Like yeah. what happened to that offense? So I'm going to like, I'm just going to take over and ask you this, Courtney. I'm going to interview yeah. you for a second on the show sure. and say, sure. essentially, what, how much blame after watching everything you said, like you said, hearing everybody talk about the game today, mm-hmm. next day, whatever, how much blame do you give Patrick Mahomes on a scale of one to 10 for what happened in Super Bowl 55? Here's the thing. Wasn't there a next gen stat? And I, I'm I'm going to kind of go off the cuff in my head on this one. There was a next gen stat that said that he scrambled for 500 yards, 500 yards before yeah. he even threw the 498. Mm-hmm. So he rushed for rushed and passed for a total of a thousand yards. To me, that game was so mind numbing. In the sense that Patrick Mahomes was like at the beginning, it was like when you started to see him limp in the second and third quarter, I'm thinking to myself like, damn, if your turf toe hurts so much, why the hell are you rushing? And then boom, it hit me. Oh, because Buccaneers defense came like a bat out of hell. So So stacked. And it was absolutely no coincidence that Todd Bowles drummed up exactly the the exact medicine that was needed to rush Patrick Mahomes out of the pocket. And that poor kid, 24 years old, as great as he is. And, you know, in the way that he can orchestrate plays downfield, uh, he rushed out of the pocket. It suddenly hit me out, out of adrenaline. It was adrenaline based. And um, I, I just, to me, how much of this was blamed on Patrick Mahomes? I'd say a one out of 10. I think Patrick Mahomes, when you look at the entire body of work, of how well he played in that game. He was fantastic. He was rushing out. He was throwing balls uh, sideways. I, that's going to be on a poster for all of football eternity. The, the play where he's on the sideline, he slinged the ball 30 yards and nearly hit his target. He hit every player that he had. Travis Kelsey, what a disappointment. Balls dropped left and right, hit him in the hands. His coach disappointed him in the way that the the Kansas City Chiefs were trying to come back the 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 I almost said the Patriots the Bucks were <laughs> the ball down the field yeah the Bucks were driving the ball down the field they used three timeouts to you know to to stop the clock so they could get it was a very questionable place 95 penalty yards now granted I, I got to agree with a lot of these penalties. There were there were a lot of phantom flags on this with the defensive p- pass interference, but there were a lot of stupid fucking plays too. And, you know, there were a lot of stupid penalties on the Kansas City. Uh, one of the prop bets I had in this game, Tanya, was that the, 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 uh, the number of penalties for Kansas City was going to be over. They had 95 penalty yards in the first half. You don't mean to tell me that that didn't, that didn't factor in to the way that Mahomes was trying to game manage this game manage everything, and on top of that, his fucking offensive line was like a, was like a colander sieve. Like they were literally playing like a cheesecloth. Okay, you know, yeah. no tackles on either side. Shaq Barrett played the game of his life. Devin White, the rookie, played the game of his life. Uh, you know, in fifteen tackles, JPP was unstoppable. Vita Vea, the way that he was getting pressure off the edge, uh, he just completely changed the entire complexity of the game. So. 
you know, if you can look on both sides of the ball, you say, yeah, Brady had a nearly perfect game. You know, the defense deserved the MVP call for the Kansas City Chiefs. And a lot of that had to do with their their ability to pressure Patrick Mahomes. Um, but outside of that, I mean, he did everything that he could. I will say, if coming off of what you're saying, I don't disagree, I don't think, with anything you just said. I, I think philosophically I feel different about Mahomes' role specifically in this game. I will say it doesn't change what I think about Patrick Mahomes as a player. I think he is the best NFL player. I think he is the best quarterback playing right now. That that doesn't change. I never thought it changed any other, you know, any other quarterback's career. I thought it was always crazy when people judged Tom Brady off of one game. And I even if it's a Super Bowl, I'm not going to judge Patrick Mahomes off of one game. I say I give him a little bit more blame. Just a little bit. I'm going to give him a two or a three, and here's why. Patrick Mahomes, part of the way that offense is structured is structured around Patrick Mahomes' ability to scramble outside of the pocket and to function in these like high pressure situations. Of course, you can't make up for a bad offensive line. Like you can't, that was tough to watch pressured 57% of the snaps. It was brutal, but you adjust to what is thrown your way. And he made some beautiful plays that didn't come through. There were drops that the, it it was uh, tough. And that's why I'm only giving him two to three, but we give him so much credit when they are succeeding so much credit. We talk about him as baby goat. We put him as baby Yoda to, to Brady's Yoda going into this with the memes. We talk about him like he is the greatest challenger to Tom Brady's legacy that we have ever seen. But when Tom Brady was in his first Super Bowl against the Rams, overmatched against the greatest show on turf, when the defense needed him to show up and score points, he did it. And he was a kid just like Patrick Mahomes. You, th- This is n- a very difficult thing to say because it makes it sound like I think worse of Patrick Mahomes after, after this game, and I don't. And, you know, another thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is that the coaching yesterday on the Chiefs was worse than it's ever been for Patrick Mahomes. You, we don't see bad coaching like that in big games from yeah. Andy Reid and his staff. It was awful. The mismanagement of the timeouts before the second half was like, yeah. mind-boggling it felt like old Andy Reid again remember how we used to deal with that with Andy Reid when he yeah. was on the Eagles the Super Bowl against the Eagles that was like the Andy Reid thing was like this guy can't figure out the in-game stuff he's such yeah, a clock man- management exactly and so that was yeah and so that you know that of course you see all those elements but Patrick Mahomes you're the 500 million dollar man you, yeah, you have to find a way to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. You have to do it. If you have to do it yourself, if you have to throw the ball and catch it, like Giselle said back in the day, then you do it. You're the $500 million man. You are the only way this offense has a chance. And it just didn't happen. Like you said, the turf toe was there, but somehow he was still moving around. It was and that little old man jog he does that we've talked about before that they've been talking about ahead of this game. He's not, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not running 25 miles an hour. Yeah. He could have, he could have functioned. And so with all of the failures of the team, I absolutely, you always have to put a little bit on the quarterback because they get so much credit when things are going well. Right. And that's just how I feel. Here's the caveat that I have. Did I say that perfectly? Caveat. You did. You nailed uh, it. Yes, yes. Tanya's Tanya's like Tanya teaches me all these um funny English sayings and all the I mean, I'm saying funny English things. Like I didn't know what uh going heel meant for a while. Oh yes, time. yeah, wrestling. Women's terms. I mean, she'll she'll say something 
And I'm like, wait, what does that mean? She educates me. <laughs> All right. The caveat that I have here is um, Julius Peppers, after the game, sent out a tweet. And he said, there you go. There's the blueprint. It'll never be the same. Now, mm-hmm. the Chiefs inevitability, yeah, it has a big, big black eye right on that game plan. And I just, the problem with me that I have right here is to say that the Chiefs, um, you know, inevitability is just going to, is all of a sudden exposed, is, give, is discrediting all of the defensive coordinators and the coaches that had really just exposed them during the season. I had a hot take earlier in maybe around October, November. The Chiefs were not that good. And their offensive line was struggling. They were getting behind in games. And to me, with all of the experts and the media going out on record and saying, you cannot find a bad game tape on Patrick Mahomes. If they're going back to, what are you talking about? Did you watch, did you watch that game against the Dolphins? Where he literally looked like he was, uh, his head was twisted 180 degrees backwards. I, right. I can remember watching that game where he threw three interceptions. They turned the ball over four times. He was running all over the field like a turkey with his head cut off. And everyone was like, yo, is Mahomes drunk? Did he party on South Beach last night? The, the Kansas City Chiefs had a fatal flaw this entire season. And because we genuflect to Mahomes and how good he is, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take discredit him in any way, but exactly on what you were saying, because we honor and worship him in the way that he has played over the last three years, the way he has risen to stardom, only starting in three out of his four seasons in the NFL. Uh, a lot of that gets overlooked. The Kansas City Chiefs hadn't covered a game since a week eight. And I know that you're saying, oh, you know, like big games and big spreads. Like, no, we're, we're talking spreads that are not double-digit spreads because you get those double-digit spreads late in the season when it's like the Chiefs playing the Jets, 18, okay? They didn't even cover that. Uh, we're talking about like six, seven, eight. Like they're not blowing people out. And when I'm looking back and kind of thinking the New England Patriots in 2007, when they had that prolific offense with Randy Moss and they set every record and Bill Belichick had no mercy, like the Chiefs were not blowing people out. They were not exerting their dominance early in the season. And it became a problem because as I watched Patrick Mahomes mid to late in that season, it was like a fucking kid playing with his food. It, it was like, hey, like Jameis Winston at Florida State. Hey, the first half we're going to kind of take off and we're going to kind of freelance and all this. Oh, I have to start playing football? Well, that's great. These are things yeah. that I saw about, I mean, literally, that's why I hate Jameis Winston. Because when I was in Miami covering the covering the Canes, it was like, dude, who does this kid think he is? And I don't think it has anything to do with Patrick, with, with Mahomes and his ego, right. and so to speak. But literally, it was like, oh, hey, wait, I have to go play a football game? He was distracted. And like, I just, I, I saw this in them throughout the season. And I hope that he kind of goes into this off season and really looks at the tactics and the preparation and just the way that his vision has seen the field. And something's got to change because he was not a perfect quarterback throughout this season. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good point because it actually gives him a little bit of slack you know, that the fact that like you, even as good as anybody is, they can't overcome a team with, with fatal flaws. And, you know, that leads into something that we want to talk about, obviously, which is Brady. And I, I'm going to use my colleague, Nick Wright, as an example of someone who I think went a little too far trying to overcorrect some bad takes. 
he filled in for Colin Coward today and he was definitely, you know, he was, he was out there saying, you know, I'm, I'm wrong. I've been messing this up the whole time. Like I was wrong. He admitted that, but I think he overcorrected it. He said, you know, Tom Brady is the system. And he could have gone to any team in the NFL and made them Super Bowl contenders immediately. And I was like, my eyebrows raised and I'm like, hold on. Now, you and I, Courtney, we are both about as complimentary to Tom Brady as you can be. Yes, yeah. we grew up fans, but we are also in the media. We have learned to have hard conversations about our, the teams we love and the players we love. But like, you know, we're both here. We're on the GOAT train. We have been for a while. He's got six rings, then seven. Great. What does he have to prove? I think now people are taking it a little too far. Are people giving Tom Brady now too much credit for coming on to a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and taking them to a Super Bowl? Or is this like, is he? Yeah, is he the system? Could he have done this anywhere? Here's the thing that a lot of people are overlooking. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not a bad fucking team, okay? And the reason that he left New England, it was over money. And money and disrespect and him wanting to be locked up for 40, until he was age 45, and Belichick, he just said, hey, give me that $25 million raise contract. They wouldn't give it to him. And hitting the open market and being lured by a number of different teams or maybe just one or two overlooking him, uh, there was a reason that Jason Light, who is from the Belichick coaching tree, who has drafted tremendously notable draft picks in Tampa since 2014. Mike Evans, Ali Marpet, Chris Godwin, Vita Bea, Devin White, Tristan Wirfs. I, I mean, all they needed was a quarterback, and Jameis Winston wasn't the guy. Jameis Winston was still putting up phenomenal numbers. Uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, back when I covered it, NFL Network were good five years ago. So are we giving Tom too much credit? Um, No, because his defense played their asses off. I would say it was about 50% Brady in that Super Bowl, 25% the defense, and you know the rest to uh, coaching and to his, to his weapons. And so you're saying, I mean, essentially you are saying that people are giving Brady too much credit because they're saying that this team, what is, they're basically insinuating that Tom Brady turned around a lowly team no. that couldn't, a seven and nine, blah, blah, blah. And that's where I'm having an issue, right? Which is like exactly what you said. This yeah. team was top five defensive DVOA last year. This is a team that just like the 2018 Patriots, took the second half of their season and really clamped down their pass defense. As soon as JPP came back from injury last season, it was a new kind of pass defense. Their run defense was elite and mm -hmm. their offensive line already had Ali Marpet. And then they draft Tristan Wirfs. And it's, I mean, this is, this was a team like you just said that mm -hmm. all they needed was a quarterback. Now, does a quarterback come into, does just any good quarterback come into that team and take them to, this, to a Super Bowl? No, but that's why Brady is so special because yeah. he comes in, he's been to nine Super Bowls before this. He knows everything it takes. He never, seven and five on the season. Guys, we've got all November and December. Don't worry about this. Like, this is where things get going. This is where things get interesting. Mm -hmm. He has everything you need when you have young, talented players, all the guys you just mentioned, when you have guys who are all pro, pro bowl talent, and all they need is the extra glue. You have Todd Bowles, who is, 
an incredible defensive coordinator. You have Bruce Arians, who is a, a locker room guy who is willing to give his team what they need. Tom Brady coming in and fixing the offense a bit. It was a lot of things. But to say that Tom Brady could have done this anywhere, to me, actually is taking away from Brady what he does best, which is he went to the Bucks because he knew they were a team he could win with because he is the best quarterback in the NFL and the history of the NFL at understanding team building and how to win a Super Bowl because Bill Belichick taught him that and he will never forget it. He will never forget what it looks like to put together a team that has depth, has playmakers, has camaraderie and belief. All of the stuff that he's learned, that's what makes him special. He's his arm isn't the most brilliant. He has never, he is an absolute legend when it comes to understanding what it takes to win, regardless of how good he is. He can have the best season in the history of the NFL and lose to the Giants. This, he knows this. And I, I hate the idea that people are taking that away from him. Like he just took a bunch of garbage idiots, sprinkled fairy dust on them and took them to a magical Super Bowl win. Those guys deserve everything that they did. And they, and Brady deserves the credit for being the coagulant for all of them to come together. I, I see so much of his losses over the years in in these wins he holds on to every loss and remembers how it happened and what they needed and where they lacked and how he lacked and he brings that to a new place he would never have gone to a team that couldn't do this he believed in this team and these guys and this coaching staff and that's what makes him special not that he would just go anywhere I, I a plus to everything that you just said and i have to just add kind of a sprinkle to the top with a cherry a lot of people are kind of forgetting the back and forth that he and Bruce Arians had at the beginning of this season. And we're still in a COVID year. I found it to be very, very interesting that Tom Brady, they asked him, how, what was it like to play in a pandemic? Was it hard or was it easy? And he said, you know what? This is like football for dummies. Anyone that is obsessed with football and that loves the game of football, there aren't many distractions when you're playing in a pandemic. You don't have Tuesday um, you know, community days on, on the franchises. You're not doing, you know, not going out to events and signing things. I mean, it's literally the NFL, the X's and O's, the going out, the practice, the weight rooms, and then it's going back home. So uh, Tom Brady took it upon himself, the earnest, to go down to Tampa Bay and break the rules of the pandemic and, and host a, a bunch of his wide receivers at a private school, which by the way, one of the funniest storylines of the offseason, Tanya, was when the cops came to uh, to tell him to break it up and told Tom <laughs> at the park, tell Tom Brady in a park, sir, I'm so sorry, you can't play football down here. Said no cop in Boston ever. What cop also, in Boston? Also, like, whatever. Can I just? My I just love the fact that he has a mansion, but he needs the public park. Like, my guy, get a bigger yard. We saw yeah. your yard in Boston. You got to get that big space. Come on. Oh, you know what? I know how it is. I lived in Florida for four years. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're living in a community like that, you're backed up against the water. It's you, you pay for you pay for the square footage that's on the bay in the backyard, mm -hmm. you don't pay for the actual grass. So, um, you know, you go to that private school, you get the crab grass, you build the continuity that you need in a locker room 
it is crabgrass. What do you? Are you? No, I'm I'm dying laughing just thinking about the fucking. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm grass. talking yeah. about. It's not yeah. real grass. This is like the, the yeah. like the three inch thick grass that just I hate it. Feels like feels like needles on your feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, earlier in the season, there was a lot. Brady did a lot to wrangle in this locker room. This was not a perfect team. And correct me if I'm wrong, Tanya. Have you heard of this before? That over the course of the season, this defense was not at Super Bowl capacity. They were not the talent level that they hit on last night's game, uh, you know, midseason. They gradually got better week after week and stronger and stronger throughout the postseason, where they had to go on the road for three games, by the way, and knock off. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we have to. We that is so much Todd Bowles. He's so no, incredible. What I'm saying is. For Brady to come in and overcome all of the bullshit in the media, and I'm saying bullshit because I just think that what Bruce Arians was doing to Brady earlier in the year was just absolute crap. Oh, that interesting. Hey, coach, what did you call? I'm on the quarterback, man. He just deferred every mistake imaginable in the season. And that's on Tom to really just rally the locker room, then, you know, then yeah. they inserts Antonio Brown. It does all of this. So, you know, I just, I mean, listen, you got to give credit to Brady, but you also have to give credit to um, the house where they built everything. And I think that, again, he's been doing this for 20 years. We saw that on the field during the Super Bowl where, uh, you know, Tom is screaming in the lock, you know, he's screaming in the huddle in the last two minutes of the game where they're taking kneels. Those kids were partying and he's screaming and he's like, Oh, focus. Wait, I meant to ask you, did you see? So people, I, I was like, I have to ask Courtney this on the podcast. What? Did you see people on the internet talking about during that scuffle with, uh, Tyron Matthew and they were going back and forth. A bunch of people on Twitter were like, I've never seen Brady like this. I've never seen. And I was like, what? 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 Brady like this. this is Oh like, shit! I thought it was so funny. I'm like, were you guys? I I, I feel like people have finally taken their glass like glasses off and are seeing Brady for like the super uber competitive like not like he's not he was never a pushover. It's just wild. I thought that that was crazy that people had never seen him yell. He was like always talking crap. Uh, you know, one of the best things in this interview after we do our part for the Fox and Fallon almost shameless bad signal um you know collaboration here I interview Rob Ninkovich two-time Super Bowl champion he played with Tom Brady and one of the greatest things about uh you know covering Tom over the years is his level of competitiveness and maybe people are just finally taking the blindfold off and you know uh, we're going to talk about that in our next segment and maybe we'll just jump right to it but the Brady haters that are finally just coming to grips and uh, you know, just realizing that, yeah, he is the greatest of all time. And I was wrong. And the level of, of greatness that this quarterback is that he has cemented his throne uh, in Canton and above and beyond forever. And it's not going to get taken away from them. So, so finally they're just, you know, cueing their eyes into the subtle nuances of Tom Brady playing his game. And that shocks them. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations. Uh, you got a couple of uh, stacks of books that you got to read before you really get into the conversation <laughs> of knowing what Tom Brady's game is about and how you can decipher between 
what is Tom and what is the Patriot way and how you can divide either or. Um, right. But, so, you know, from all this MAGA and Trump to Deflategate and which has pretty much been debunked. By the way, I, I, did you know the quarterback that loved to deflate footballs during postseason runs more than Tom Brady? Peyton Manning. <laughs> Actually, a little proven fact that uh, the Indianapolis Colts deflated footballs more than the New England Patriots or whenever they did. I mean, look, Colt weather, I've whatever. i never cared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, all these people, I've been getting messages out of the blue from some of these people that I literally just read and leave them on read about nitpicking his romantic life, going all the way back to, Hey, he got his girl. He cheated on his pregnant girlfriend. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go. I, that was inappropriate of me. Um, but really shut the fuck up. Like, no, I, like, I don't know what else you're supposed to say. Matter. You're talking about something that happened 15 years ago. Why don't we talk about Tom Brady when he dated Tara Reed? Anyways, I will, what is it about Tom Brady right now that just really brings the psycho out of people? What is it yeah. that's the nerve that just, can you pinpoint it for me, Tanya? Because I, I just, I, I need an explanation. Okay, so this is my theory. It's a working theory. I've been coming up with it for a while. I think that basically everyone alive right now over the age of like 10 to 12 has been personally victimized by Tom Brady, unless they are a Patriots fan or a Bucks fan, right? Like if you've been alive for the last 20 years and cared about football, you have been personally, you've had your day, week, season ruined by Tom Brady. You've had your heart broken. You've lost millions, whatever it is. You, he has ruined you because the, he has made an entire two decades out of haunting the dreams of NFL fans. And thus, you know, these are pe these people have families, they have kids, they have to deal with the aftermath of Tom Brady's wreckage every time he ruins someone's day, week or year, right? Mm -hmm. So this is over the course of time, people are sick of watching someone else kick the crap out of their favorite team. People love to hate a winner because after a while you wanna see something different, you wanna see something new. So it's a combination of all that stuff. He has become the bad faith brigade's number one target okay this is one of those english terms that i told you that tanya is teaching me can you explain what a bad faith comment is what is yes. a bad faith comment so a bad faith comment is essentially what you run into on twitter basically on a regular basis True. which is i'm going to enter into this discussion with the intent of being like disingenuous i'm going to come in with a argument i don't necessarily believe or I'm going to deflect, or I'm going to distract, because all I really want out of this is to make you mad. I don't know if I actually believe what I'm saying. And that's bad faith, because you're saying it from a place where you don't even necessarily believe it, but you want the other person to be mad that you said it. And that's where the deflate gate, everybody knows deflate gate was, wasn't real. Everybody knows, anybody with a brain in their head knows deflate gate wasn't real. But now they like to bring it up, bad faith, because it's a, it's a way to make a Patriots fan or a Brady fan mad. And I think that that's why Brady has become the number one target because he's taken away all the real things to hate. He's taken them all away. He will not stop winning. He comes out and he has this beautiful family that he loves. Every teammate loves him. Robert Kraft's there in another team's 
box rooting on his surrogate son. He hasn't even talked to Donald Trump. He doesn't get into politics, so you can't hate him for that anymore. Tiger Woods is at the White House. Where's Tom Brady? Not at the White House. He stays the hell out of it. So he takes that away from you. He takes it away, and you slowly wither away until all of the hatred starts to eat you alive. That is what has happened. I have an apology form that I used on my Instagram today. And it's, uh, you know, I can't take full credit for it. It's from ESPN PR. So uh, it, it's like a fill out for school if you're like in middle school or high school. But now this is just for adults. Um, uh, this is the reason for your flippant Tom Brady behavior. I was tired of seeing him win. A couple of bad games at age 43. You're a Peyton Manning fan. You're a fan of an AFC East team. I don't know football. I thought he'd be retired by now. <laughs> just encapsulates every reason why people will hate them. I'm sure that Tom just fuel. He's he's fueled off the off the hatred. He's fueled off of the negative comments. You don't think that he was fueled by the fact that Bill Belichick didn't think that he could play football anymore? That, that's the basis of every reason that he wanted to play this year. Let's smudge and clear the energy for those haters. And I'm so glad that we're kind of purging the hatred for everyone. We're finally at the point of the threshold that everyone needs to step up and realize you're wrong. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah, him and Nick Wright today were like, oh boy, I don't know what to do. But it is, it's funny, man. Like people also forget that Brady is, I said this on Twitter recently, he's a ditz. He's super ditzy. Like in the, when you're talking about locker room and you're talking about football, he's an absolute genius. Don't get me wrong. But he is a ditz. The man walked into the wrong house as soon as he arrived in Tampa to go find his OC. He doesn't know where he is. He has lost touch. Like he's going to forget his mask. The man is like not, he's, he's that he is the friend who gets distracted by the butterfly while you're driving. And you're like, dude, keep your eyes on the road. He's just a dance. Like it's, it's so funny. Everybody thinks he's like this maniacal businessman and all this stuff. And it's like, he really just follows rules. That's like, he, he just follows the rules when he's outside of that stadium. People tell him what to do. He tries his best to do it. I love the guy. Honestly, he's, he's a ridiculous person. Like don't let him have so much power in your life. People let it go. Let it go. Like princess Elsa once said, just let it go. The last segment that we like to do, Tanya, and although we're not doing Give Me More, Go Away, or Would You Rather, kind of our, uh, our, signature, our signature gimmicks and rants, we are doing uh, a Super Bowl-specific one. And yes, the Brady ball washing will continue. So, uh, I mean, I don't even think anyone that's listening to this podcast is not, a, not in support of the Patriots because you're going to listen to an interview with Rob Nikovich after this. Um, Brady now has seven right. rings means you know one for every finger that jpp has on his hand that's that's the first interesting <laughs> one um and you know one for every day of the week so uh given that we're gonna assign each ring to its corresponding weekday I- i'm gonna let you kick this one off because i think we agree to disagree on a couple of things here all right so 36 we're gonna start we're gonna go consecutively so the way that okay. makes sense 36 they beat the rams they they get all over this hump right? They get over this hump of like, we haven't won a Super Bowl. We have got this amazing defense. We're coming up on this greatest show on turf. No one thinks we can do it. 
underdogs. Like it just feels like it's never going to end. Like the, the misery is never going to end. It's going to be 1985 and 1996 all over again. And they get over the hump. Courtney, that's a Wednesday. That's a Wednesday. That's hump day. You've got to get over the hump day to get to the good stuff. I agree with you. 14-point underdogs going into that Super Bowl. I felt like the entire season was a game of inches where destiny weaved them along like the chariot. It was a chariot road. It was a game of destiny, of course. The Moloist hit that took Drew Bledsoe out and Tom Brady maintained. And every single game in that season, there was a reason that they were 11-5. and five. They took the wild card route. They went all the way to the Super Bowl. And damn, they won. So... If it wasn't for one thing that led to another, you know, you need that Wednesday. You to do. Get week. It's literally like the, it's the, it's yeah. the connector. It's the connector that choose your destiny wisely. If you, if you slack off and you're lazy, then you're going to have a shit under your week. But if you push through and you do all of your assignments and you, you really put into that presentation that you needed, you're going to have a great week. So Wednesday it is. Tanya, yes. the next one. The Patriots and the Panthers, this was the shootout with Jake DeLome. I remember, I think yeah. Steve Smith Sr. Was in, this, uh, was in this Super Bowl. Julius Peppers, Super Bowl 38. This is when Tom Brady really emerged as a passer. This was the first of two consecutive Super Bowls that the Patriots put together. You can remember in 2003, this was when their secondary was, you know, they got rid of Lawyer Malloy and they still had everyone in their prime and Ty Law. And, um, you know, people really realized that Tom Brady had the arm and the weapons that he needed. So, you know, this is kind of like that surprise, holy shit moment. I, I got I got Monday on this one. I got Monday. You don't wake up at eight in the morning and kind of get your day straight. I don't know. Maybe you were hungover on the Sunday. You watch a little too much football. And all of a sudden, Zoom meeting after Zoom meetings after, it's just going to hit you in the face and it's going to come like a bat out of hell. So Monday it is for Super Bowl 38. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mondays are Mondays are a hit or miss day. You can establish the week of your life with a Monday. You can say, I'm here to stay. You thought I was some sort of Peyton Manning understudy? Uh-uh, baby. It's Monday. It's that kind of Monday. That's what you can do with a Monday. That's what he did against Jake DeLome and the Panthers. He was like, defense, I got you. I can do this. Boom. Yeah. Monday. Coming at you for the week. I got it. What's next? Super Bowl 39, Patriots and Eagles. This was the second half of the Super Bowl. I, I can just remember this Super Bowl being kind of breezy. And um, this was against Donovan McNabb. This kind of reminds me of a Saturday. This is a back-to-back. Patriots knew they were going to take it. They knew that they were going to cement their dynasty. So Saturday to me is like a day of pure joy. It's the day of rest. God's yes. day of rest. And um, this is the day that everyone kind of gets together. You got brunch, you got Saturday afternoon, farmer's market, shopping, going out to the park. You know, this is the one that you can live on for weeks. It's kind of like, wow, this is the Super Bowl that we're going to remember for weeks and weeks, well, years and years and decades to come because the Patriots 03-04 championships, the last time a Super Bowl team repeated. Yeah, I, I think I agree, actually agree on this one because Saturday is the day. It's like if you have a great three-day weekend, let's say, you know, Saturday is yep. always the best day of that weekend. Yep. And this yep. was a three-day weekend. You you know, I mean, granted, our three-day weekend is now made up of a Wednesday, Monday, and a Saturday. But 
it is the best day of that trio. You're like, this is the one where we have no obligations or responsibilities. We just have, we're here to just like, remember, like you said, carry it in. We've talked about this. We've had some long stretches of shitty days in 2020 mm-hmm. into 2021, but you remember the good, the best day, the most recent best day, and you sail all the way to 2014 with that day. You hold on to it for dear life, and that's what it was. I completely agree. Tanya, why don't you take Super Bowl 49? So I think this is where we diverge a little bit. I think this game is a Thursday. Now, Thursday can be, especially when you're younger, it can be a great day. It can be it's basically an extra weekend day. It yeah. is it is a surprise, though. Most of the times when you have a great Thursday night, it's like, I wasn't planning on this, but here we go. I guess this is what we're doing. We're doing a thirsty Thursday. We're partying tonight. We're doing whatever. Like, tonight's the night, but I wasn't planning on it, but I'm going to do it. I don't care if I have to work tomorrow. Like, I'm going to do it. I know it's last minute. And to me, that's how this Super Bowl was. It was like, are we gonna are we gonna start a new dynasty right now? Like, do we? I don't know, man. We it's been a while. Like, do we really want to do this? And yeah. Then you're like, uh, I don't know. And Malcolm Butler was like, "Baby, you're coming out tonight. You're coming okay. out tonight. I, I it's can a feel Thursday." That. I can feel that. Patriots Seahawks to me was a grind to the very end. The, the Patriots they scored and they gave a little too much time to Russ Wilson and this in the Seahawks offense that got a massive chunk play with shades of David Tyree with Jermaine curse was like a, a two tap miraculous catch. So, I mean, to me, this seems like the lead up to the five o'clock bell on a Friday for happy hour. And like, you are just like sweating and sweating. You know that you have to get that the sad assignment in for your boss or your teacher right before that bell rings. And and you just know like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. And then bam, Malcolm Butler, he intercepts that ball at the goal line. And then all of a sudden everyone is free and there is jubilant celebration and you know, everything else is history. Okay. So next we got what Falcons, we got Super Bowl 51. That's the big one. We diverge on this one too, which is crazy because this is the most iconic Super Bowl of all time. And we have assigned it to different days, two, two okay. different iconic days. I, now, I, I think everyone knows what happened during the Super Bowl 51, Patriots and Falcons, 28 to 3. I'm not even going to go into the details. This was the greatest football game possibly of all time. I, I'm talking about Super Bowl game. Greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. This belongs with a nice crown on a Sunday. Because Sundays to me, I know a lot of people go to church, my church, is an NFL football game. Watching an NFL game on a Sunday, what could be better than encapsulating everything that, you know, that is the game of the NFL uh, on a Sunday? And to me, this game represents greatness. And greatness is Sunday afternoons, 1 o'clock, 10 a.m. if you're in L.A., however you watch the game, that's just what I think. I love that. I love I love that it's church for you. I, I respect your Sunday. I respect your Sunday. But for me, for me in my life, yes, this game was a Friday. This game, okay. Friday, you work on Friday. You, 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 it's like a half a weekend. Like, you know, you can do something with your night, but it starts out. It's a grind. You're ready. You're ready for it to be done. Like you're like, you still have stuff to do and you don't want to do it. And then you get to that Friday and it's like, can I pull this day out? Like, can I really like make this work for me? You know, do I want to put everything off until tomorrow? 
do I really have it in me to make a, make a night out of this? And to yeah. me, there's something so special about not knowing what could happen with a day like that. You could make it your own. And that there is the Falcon Super Bowl is like, is like everything that could possibly go wrong and right on that day on that like it's like your boss yelled at you you're worried you're gonna get fired you leave you're feeling crappy you're like there's no way and then you get home and you are like okay i'm gonna try to make this better i'm gonna try to salvage this night and that night you fly to las vegas on a private jet and win two million dollars on a slot machine and you're like this is this could only happen on a friday this can't happen on a sunday when people are resting you can't fly to vegas $2 million on a day of rest. This is a, a manic, crazy game, just like Friday. All right, finishing off, rounding out. We're at ring number six. six. Ring number six, last with the Patriots. Patriots and Rams, to me, this was just kind of your building block, pretty boring-ass game. Defensive-minded game. Um, it would have a much different feel if one of the greatest, actually most underrated plays, by the way, during this game was... Um, uh, Brandon Cook's wide open or streaking to the end zone and then Jason McCourty coming out of absolute nowhere and tipping oh. that ball. I actually just rewatched that football game because I have the uh, the ESPN app and I, for some reason, couldn't stream the Bruins game. So I watched a bunch of the Super Bowls and that was just terrific. To me, this Patriots-Rams game, kind of boring, defensive-minded, low scoring. Of course, there was a tremendous amount of respect between Bill Belichick and Sean McVay. This is your standard, typical nine to five, wake up, Groundhog Day kind of bullshit game. Uh, you know, granted, hey, listen, it's not bullshit. You want a Super Bowl, but this is a Tuesday for me. Yeah. Typical after your Monday, after that rush, and all of a sudden, you know, that Patriots Rams fourteen point underdog day hits you like a hits you like a ton of bricks. Now you're building bricks. You're building bricks and you're like, listen, I got to get through my week. Can't, can't fuck around. So this is a Tuesday for me. I, I absolutely love that you called it a building block because that's what Tuesday is. Like, like, I mean, Rams, Rams Patriots was a, was a Tuesday ass game. It was, was it's like, you need it. You need it as part of the whole, like you gotta, you gotta grind through, you gotta learn how to grind through a Tuesday to appreciate the Thursdays and the Fridays and the Saturdays. You need the Tuesday to give you context and yeah. that's what that's what Rams Patriots gave us, you know, and there's every once in a while you get a nice little like, I mean, that McCourty play is one of the greatest plays to me. I will never forget it. It, it was as thrilling as anything I've ever watched in a Super Bowl. Oh, I thought, I knew that was. I'm sorry. Sorry. Continue. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but that was but there's you know, that was just one little moment that I'll remember forever. And and otherwise, you know, it's like, I'll, like you said, I'll take it. I'm not going to like, if you, if you're telling me I, I can have a good Tuesday or I can have no day at all, I'm going to take a good Tuesday. Okay. Bucks and Chiefs to me, finishing off, rounding out number seven. Would this be the thumb? The, 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 the JPP's thumb or, you know. Oh, poor the- JPP. <laughs> poor JPP. I'm sorry. He shouldn't be getting the butt of this. He played his ass off. Bucks and Chiefs to me is, uh, is it's a Thursday. This is a Thursday game. This game was the largest margin of victory for Tom Brady in any Super Bowl imaginable. 22 points. The way that he sliced through, uh, you know, this Chiefs offense, it took them a couple of drives to get going. But once he got going, I mean, you knew that that, that Bucks offense 
was just motoring along. They were figuring out a way to thread the needle and move the chains down the field. Uh, Brady, I had a stat that I looked up because I was watching the numbers because I'm following all the prop bets and all that stuff. So Brady was 20, 20 of 24 for 198 yards. And it was near perfect through the third quarter. And, uh, you know, this was kind of his, I'm not saying he's a cakewalk, but this was kind of like your celebration. Once that hit that fourth quarter, you knew where the game was headed. So, I mean, this is super light, super fun. Thursday night is a great night for me to go out with my friends. Thursday night, let's hit the town. Let's enjoy ourselves. And, you know, who cares if that Friday hits you in the face in the morning? Exactly, exactly. Well, this is my only day is le- that's left. And I, and I say it proudly, this game is the Sunday. This game uh- is... It is the accumulation of everything you've worked for all week. It is, you know, this game for Brady, as much as I hate it as a, as a lifelong Patriots fan, Mm -hmm. this game is his piece de resistance. This is his final like little day of like reckoning. And I truly do believe that even though he didn't need it to become the goat, this was what he needed himself to like finish his career if he doesn't win another one he it doesn't matter it never mattered but when he left that was his goal and like if you're gonna finish you're gonna finish on top on a Sunday you're gonna take everything you learned Monday through Saturday and you're gonna make that day that day of rest you're the goat you're gonna remind people there's never there's never truly rest and like you and me Courtney We've, we've worked on Sunday our whole lives. We yeah. don't have Sundays off. Sundays off, who's that for? That's like you said, those are for church people and accountants. We don't yeah. get that day off. We're like Tom Brady. We work on Sundays. That's when we do our best shit. So you know what? Congratulations to him. He he did something you're not supposed to be able to do. It's it's gotta be on it's gotta be on the on the day of football. He he created a new a new type of sports legend on the best sports day. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of polls saying, is Tom Brady one of the top three or top one greatest athletes of all time? I wouldn't necessarily go there, but um, at this point, it's got to be in the conversation. Tanya Ray Fox of Fox Sports 1. I mean, listen. We did it. We did it. We did it. Fox and Fallon reunited. This can be seen on uh, Bad Signal Podcasts, on uh, Almost Shameless what do you typically like to do? I mean, for me, I right now, because I don't have a producer, at least full time to just jump on, it's just more of an interview show for me. So, yeah. uh, but I really miss, I, I like doing this. I miss going through the hot takes and um, this was fun. Thanks for joining. Yeah, this was great. I'm really glad we got to do it post Super Bowl. I couldn't have thought of a better person to do it with. We, Like you said, we would have been doing this anyway. And no one would have gotten to hear our amazing hot takes. Thank you again, Courtney, for setting this up. And I'm so excited for everybody to uh, to see our reunion. This was like super, super fun. I see a line of cars and they are painted black. Flowers and my love hope never to come back. I love it. I love Tom Brady. I realized there was possibly a little ball washing there at the end, but I, I, I just, again, I think it's undisputed now. Undisputed, like I actually said earlier in the week, that I did not think Patrick Mahomes, if he lost this game, which now he is 0-2 against Brady in the postseason, going back to the 2018 AFC Championship game, that he would not pass Tom in his career ever. He, 
I don't know. Was he exposed? Was he not exposed? Uh, he's having plantar fascia, toe turf surgery now. So, uh, got to give credit where credit is due. Tom outplayed Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. All right. We'll catch you later in the week. A little more football analysis, switching into basketball season. I guess that we have to be full swing in that. Hockey, all that good stuff. We'll catch you next time. I'm Cordy Fallon. Hope you enjoy the show. No more will my green seagull turn a deeper blue. I could not foresee this thing happening to you.